Hi guys, I'm Rich, one half of Beard and Bear. This is a message recorded on the 19th of June 2020. Due to ongoing revelations in the wrestling industry regarding currently emerging accusations against a number of UK independent WWE, NJPW and AEW wrestlers, we have felt compelled to affix this message to the start of our archived content. We have chosen to keep our archive content as is, for the purposes of transparency. Please be aware that discussions about wrestlers currently embroiled in the ongoing Britress abuse scandal were recorded before these revelations came to light. If you wish to hear our views on these accusations before you continue to listen to our archived content, please feel free to search for hashtag speaking out on our anchor.fm forward slash jfabe profile. In addition, on the back of recent protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, like everyone should, we have checked our privileges in context of what we have learned, particularly regarding sensitivity and microaggressions. I have discussed our past content with multiple people of various different races, creeds, religions, sexualities, genders um, from across our society, and feel some of it may not best reflect our views as they are currently held. However, This podcast has been left as it was originally released. Some opinions are kayfabe and are given by parody characters or personas that do not reflect the present views of Rich or Jay or the actors portraying them. Listener discretion is advised. Everything you hear from this point on is what was released on the original day of publishing. Thank you very much. I'm Sarah Keenigbot standing in for Ira Glassbot who has come down with a mysterious illness. Get well soon, Ayer. Coming soon on JFabe, an all-new episode of this Nerfergium Life. Here's a special preview. Please say your name into the microphone. My name is Nigel McGuinness, and I'm the future reincarnation of Jesse the Body Ventura. Does Jesse know this? You know he's not allowed to know that. Just being thorough. Standard Snarflergian interview techniques, I guess. Doesn't matter anyway. I can't remember anything from before before my reincarnation, really. Not unless I really meditate hard. Tell me about the performance centre. I was called up to the performance centre after I crash-landed on a future version of Earth on the Full Sail Peninsula. Me and my good friend, Jarl Alistair Black. My name is Alistair Black. However, when we got there, Things weren't quite as I expected it. Welcome uh, to the Performance Center. Uh, I'm Triple H. Cool, blimey! It's Triple H! It is? He smells lightly of tuna. It runs in the family. Uh. Please say your name into the microphone. My name is Dave Meltzer. However, people call me the Sea. My name is Corey Graves, and I have the gift of vision. What caused you to take the retardist to the performance center? Corey awoke me in the night. What are you doing? I'm trying to sleep. Oh, this is not good at all. Time is sick. Time is sick, I can see it. It is a great wave coming from the future to the past. Can it wait till morning? There will be no morning. There will be no past. We must... we must jump. We must jump through time, using the ship, the ship I will build. You say you built the Retardus. In my dreams, my dreams of the future, 
I build the ship. But that story is for another time, not for today. So you flew the Retardus into the Performance Center, even though you had never flown it before. Well, you say flew, but it was more like hurled. So how did you know things were wrong in the Performance Center? Oh, people, they train every day to put out the best product. Oh, wow. There's Britt Baker's boyfriend. And look, it's Rhea Ripley. Oh, there's so much stuff. All of these weight machines and... Oh, there's Velveteen Dream and his daughter. I'm not sure that's his daughter. Nobody can be sure uh, that it's even Velveteen Dream. Let's move on. <laughs> Yikes. Triple H. I have to ask, why was me and Alistair Black called up? I had only just arrived on the Full Sail Peninsula. I'm not a native. You were here by special request uh, of our latest acquisition. Who I'm going to introduce you to now through this door. Nigel. Oh, there it is, that moment of realization. What? Don't look so surprised. Gold dust? I'm just making a delivery. A peace offering. From my brother. That's... That's the glove of Russo. Oh! So it is. Well. Would you like to touch it? Sniff the glove. Sniff it. Cool, blimey. Everything stopped it as. That's not a way to get ahead in life. <laughs> that's that's not how you do puns, mate. That's that's just not how they work. Looks like he needs a hand. <laughs> no, no, still still not got it, mate. Still not got it. Well, you know what they say. A dust in time. <laughs> oh, close enough, mate. Close enough. Stay tuned for more at the end of the show. And now, recorded in lockdown, Jay and his co-host Clone Rich review WWE Money in the Bank 2020. Don't forget to subscribe and contact us on anchor.fm forward slash jfabe or wherever you find great podcasts. Money in the Bank 2020. Woo! Hi, right, Jay. Hi Rich, how's it going mate? It's all good mate, how you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. How's lockdown treating you? Yeah, it's alright, you know, just uh, getting through it, how about you? Yeah, I'm kind of loving it, no I'm not loving it really, it's really (laughs) really warm. Um, Like, summer's hit and my windows stopped opening directly next to my PC, which is what I work in front of every day. Um, So, yeah, not enjoying that. I don't know if you are. Not too much, a bit like a sauna. Yeah, <clears throat> which, is, well, which is normally quite enjoyable, but not 24-7, right? Well, exactly, exactly. Speaking of 24-7, we're going to talk 24-7 title because it's the most exciting title and also Money in the Bank, that little thing that happened over the weekend. That's a good plan, though. Yeah, I'm totally into that as an idea. Um, yeah, so stay tuned. We've got plenty of stuff going off. We've got the return of a regular segment coming up later today. 
We also have some more previews from our super cool um, special, which is being worked on, I'm being told, right now as we speak. But then the main event is, of course, us talking away about money in the blank and all of that all of that shenanigans um yeah pretty much pretty much jay should we should we get started what do you think about jeff hardy (laughs) (laughs) what about jeff hardy (laughs) well he was in the um preview show of money in the bank um versus um cesaro of all people did you get a chance to catch this match Oh uh, yeah, kind of forgot about this match. I did watch it actually. Yeah, um, was it any I good? Because yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I avoided the fuck out of it. Right, yeah. So Cesaro <laughs> fumbled a load of shit. He yeah, yeah. botched a little bit. You could see him say sorry to Jeff with his mouth. So, oh. <laughs> like, oh, bless yeah, but, him. I mean, he kind of redeemed himself in the end. But uh, yeah, yeah he, he kind of fucked up in the middle. Hmm. Um, what do you think's going on with Cesaro? Because like, fuck knows, not much. I mean, it's obvious Vince has decided that he's going into that royal, um, that royal journeyman position um, that he likes to put people who should have been champion but never will be um, in. Um, and obviously, Jeff's now, you know, been Jeff Hardy back in June of last year, got himself um, nice and nice and arrested for public intoxication, and has been on the shit can ever since. Um, Apparently, he asked, for, he asked for help before that happened. From oh, the okay. WWE. So he actually reached out to try and get help. Oh, fair play. Um, I assume he was told to suck it up, buttercup, and um, <laughs> then written off telly for having the sheer goal to ask them to do something. Probably. And then he gets arrested and like, oh, let's send you to rehab. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll send you to rehab <laughs> because society demands it now. I hate WWE. Yeah, they're really, really fucking irritating. Um, so we haven't <laughs> had a chance to talk about. Main event. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we do, um, before we do, before we go into Money in the Bank, obviously we didn't get a chance to talk about the spate of releases that have happened over the last few weeks um, in regards to the WWE. Um, I mean, we did want to talk about these specifically on their own episode, um, but I think this would be a good place for us to start, really, because it just kind of contextualizes it. Um, so, should we just quickly go through everyone who's been released and kind of our thoughts on that situation as a whole? No, I mean, we can do that. Um, <laughs> Didn't realize and, we was doing that. Yeah, neither did I until just now when I had the idea. Um, okay. So, in fact, let's wait. Let's wait for the end. Let's do money in the bank first because that's what people are people are tuning in for. We like to give people what they want um, rather than swerving them because we're not WWE. So, the first match: um, <laughs> uh, Miz and Morrison, Lucha House Party, The Forgotten Sons, and The New Day um, all faced off in a big old four-way bash. Um, this was obviously live from the Performance Center. It was for the titles. It was the SmackDown Tag oh, Team me, Championship. Here's me thinking this is pre-taped. It was a pretty solid match for a live Fatal 4-Way for WWE. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, was it pre-taped? Um, I think it might have been. Oh, uh, okay. Did I say live? Or was live? it just the Money in the Bank ladder match was pre-taped? I'm pretty sure it was just the main event that was pre-taped. Right. Um, which is how they managed to utilize. Uh, well, I think 
I think it was a mix. They they did pre-tape it, but they did also use those special invisible cameramen that WWE have been employing for quite a while. Um, you know, the ones that none of the performers can see and also disappear from behind people in lifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, it's no. Yeah, no. It, I mean, it wasn't jarring at all, was it? It didn't make it. It didn't like remove any air of legitimacy from the entire thing Not at all. all no. In any way, no. <laughs> cool. Um, so back to the match that we're talking about. Um, have, have you taken notes? And where where were you on the whole issue of the match? Oh, the match. The match. The match, <laughs> the match itself. Uh, overall, it was a pretty solid match, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Let me know. I even um, thought it was pre-taped, so it doesn't really matter. So, um, I mean, they gave a lot of control to the match to um, Lucha House Party. Start off the match, they were pretty much in control. Then they gave the control to Forgotten Sons. Uh, they mm. seem to be playing the main part within that match. Yeah, I mean, it was good to see. Um, actually, considering the um, the fact that the New Day were in there along with Miz and Morrison, like the expectation would be for kind of. Um, Lucha House Party and the Forgotten Sons to maybe take a bit of a back seat. I mean, certainly you would expect that um, in a in a kind of legit, well, not legitimate, but um, in a more um, more standard WWE main event, you would expect them to, or WWE pay per view. Sorry, you would expect them to um, perhaps put the crowd favourites in. Um, and sometimes that's often to the expense of the smaller teams in there. But um, props to the New Day and Miz and Morrison as the as the kind of WWE veterans in the place. Um, they really did utilize all the tools at their disposal. Um, as did whoever booked this match um, with Lucha House Party and Forgotten Sons both. That's what I'm trying to find out who, who who booked it, who produced it, because it was mm. it was the best it, match in the night. Yeah, I mean, it was head and tails above the majority of um, of a because I kind of find eight way matches like this, um, I find them pretty go- pretty hard to kind of get sit through very often, especially in WWE, um, yeah. because like very often with places like if Defiant do this or um, someone like Impact or um, AEW, but I'm talking even. Especially on the lower indies like Progress or um, or someone like that, where they don't have that instant replay feature and they don't necessarily have to occasionally cut to Michael Cole to talk about Slim Jim or some shit, then they ver- they're very often better paced matches. Um, and very often in WWE, you end up with a lot of kind of, oh, okay, now they're lying outside while we cut to 16 replays of the massive spot that just happened, and there's a kid holding a hot dog, you know. Um, and there, there was none of that in this match. It was, there was none it was, of that. It was seriously well-paced. Um, Especially the kid with the hot dog. Well, yeah, because that <laughs> would have been dangerous. <laughs> You're right, though. It was incredibly paced um, throughout the mm. whole match. First big spot was the Spanish Fly, Graham Italic, Morrison. So oh, they did the whole big spot Spanish thing. <laughs> yeah, they did so do the whole big spot thing. Yeah, um, I think that it's almost like they're downplaying the big spots now a bit, um, which I understand because they're obviously they can't lean back on the reactions of the fans um, to kind of help slow that 
slow that kind of spot down, which I think is why the runtime of this entire pay per view kind of lasted was you know kind of ten fifteen minutes shorter than your average pay per view um, was simply because that's usually time that's reserved for waiting for the crowd to calm down and for them to start wrestling again. Because uh, <laughs> they they would hate for people to be cheering the last spot before the next spot happens, but obviously they don't have that they don't have that issue as much in this environment. Um, I don't particularly find that because obviously when they do main events, it's live anyway. So normally they've got the backstage segments, which they had in this as well. Mm. So they normally what is to calm down the crowd, as you said. But it was just a short pay per view. It was it was less than a episode of Raw, but it was constant wrestling. Yeah, I mean that was that was what was nice about it um, overall as a pay per view. I felt it was certainly a manageable size in this kind of two and a half to three and a half hour kind of um, kind of standard that they're setting during lockdown um, is actually is actually something that's much more digestible to me. Um, I mean, you know as well as I do that there's nothing worse than getting a kind of lower tier. Um, well, and a, one of the big one of the big kind of six pay-per-views um you know i'm including money in the bank and hell in the cell with that um that's seven if you take elimination chamber but even getting one of those kind of mid-tier pay-per-views like this um and then you you load it up after a hard day at work on the monday uh, because obviously we're in the uk and oh fuck it's three hours and 54 minutes you know that's always a bloody nightmare (laughs) (laughs) that's my evening gone yeah that's that's my yeah. evening gone especially if i want to have the sheer gall to go and take a shit in the middle of it <laughs> <laughs> you know. unless you're like me who's been furloughed and just watched it live yeah it must have been awesome I mean, it was all right not too bad yeah. at the time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear me! Um, let's moving moving on. What other spots? Kind of because you went on to the first spot. Obviously, that amazing Spanish fly. I mean, it wasn't that amazing, was it? The way the way it was done, you, you saw that Morrison went first, grammatically followed. Yeah, there was there was a there was a serious kind of problem with the moment. But I'm finding this a lot with WWE. There was a similar thing. Um, it might just be John Morrison actually. Now I think about it, um, yeah, because his his Spanish fly was also he was slightly slow um, on the uptake at WrestleMania as well yeah. with the Spanish fly spot, wasn't he? Yeah, he's um, fairly good at that one. <laughs> Does it all the time. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you should Interesting. really slow it out because obviously the close body connection and the moving over at the same time makes it look pretty tight and pretty sweet. But the way he does it, everyone's really far away and it's just a bit of a mess. Um, but mm. uh, I didn't really get many spots. I, w- I just um, I just got the. Dragon I would Lana. like to. I would like to go back to some of Lucha Underground at some point and just see whether his Spanish fly executions got worse. Um, or what, or whether it's changed, just because I'd be interested to see whether that's more a WWE thing. Because it does seem that the Spanish flies in WWE can be a bit looser, hmm. um, and I don't know whether that's more of one of those safety things. It could be. I mean, I guess there'll be less impact. Well, not less impact, but less weight on the impact. Yeah, um, I, d- I don't know whether that's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating here. But yeah, you know that. Other mascot in Lucha House Party did a Dragon Rana. <laughs> yeah, I called him Rain Mascot Stereo number three. Too. Mascot number three. <laughs> okay, that works. On Steve Cutler. I think yeah, it's yeah. Lance something something. St- um, 
<laughs> yeah, cutlet, cut, what was steak and cutlet? Steak and cutlet, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was Steak actually writing the names down, and I got New Day, I got Lucha, House Party, and the Miz, and Morrison, and again. I was like, who's you're, that fourth team? Who's that fourth team? Who the keep fuck is it? it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Fuck, they, they just <laughs> keep on falling. It's, it, it's almost like the most self-aware name in wrestling is the Forgotten <laughs> Sons. <laughs> like, it's just like the world's strangest piece of meta humour right there. <laughs> I was like, what? Forgotten Sons. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, for me, Forgotten Sons were actually the star tag team in this match. They, they killed it. Um, they were all over the they, playing the They really, really well. are. They really are the kind of. I think, I think they're cutting off the ring. I th- what I would like to see from the Forgotten Sons moving forward, because you're right, as a unit, they have character. I would like to see them start to develop characters as individuals as well. I kind of think um, they've moved into Revival's place a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's that's my only concern because one of the biggest problems with Revival was that WWE had a major issue with turning them into marketable characters um, within Vince's lens. Yeah. And I think if 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 the Forgotten Sons kind of moved into almost a heel shield kind of thing, where each one of them had a distinct but clear personality trait and developed that slowly over TV. Um, I think that they could secure themselves at a point beyond the revival um, just through sheer individual character work alone. Um, and it's I'm just waiting for them to do that now because as a team, their presence... I, I've gone from actually just being able to do one of these podcasts last year um, and completely not even mention them for an entire match, um, just as a little in-joke between me and you, you may remember. Oh, yeah. um, and all the way... <laughs> All the way to now, where I where they you wouldn't be able to talk about this match without at least having a conversation about the um, Forgotten Sons, as we're proving. So, yeah, I mean, throughout NXT, didn't click with me not at all. I've seen them once on the main roster, well, and straight I mean, away it, it all just clicked. I mean, the environment's weird, wrong as well strange. in NXT for them because I mean, there's so many strong tag teams in NXT, um, whereas obviously. In WWE, um, the main roster, the tag team division's more like a meat factory. Um, you know, you've got the New Day, you've got the Usos, um, you've got the third team. And is there a third team? Or is it just those two now? What? Like the... No, 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 no! I'm not doing the Forgotten Sons joke. I'm actually saying like you've got you've got your face you've got your face kind of top tag teams like the Usos, New Day. Is there a third one? <clears throat> Lucha House Party. So no, you've just literally got the um, New Day and um, the Usos, right? And that's right. the tag team division in WWE, and they're doing that Hulk Hogan thing of rotate tag teams in who are strong heels or strong faces but effectively it is that kind of that kind of carousel kind of kind of motion that they're going through that you saw in the singles division in the 1980s um with Hulk Hogan it's just this time it's you have the new day and then you have um you know the usos but looking at it long term this last kind of 15 years is well last 10 years or so is all those two teams um so I think that that's more of an environment for a team like the Forgotten Sons. 
because now the natural the natural thing is for them to hold both titles over the course of three or four years with some great feuds, and then eventually see who the sh- breakout stars are and and break them up. And I think that'll work for them. It's it's the spot that should have been taken by Sanity. Yeah, until they broke them up. <laughs> Premature Eric break up. Mm. And that's it, actually. It's just Eric Young. Sad times, bad times. When he's an amazing talent, but I guess his age is against him at this point. Yeah, um, it amazes me that they keep Tommaso Ciampa on, actually. Um, not because I think he's bad, I think he's great, I think he's amazing. It's just easy. Eric Young is easily as good as him. You know. Yeah, actually, the bit of terror um, gimmick in TNA was. Yeah. Where he it, came I, into his whole persona, like, strongly. I mean, you can just smell it on his in-ring work. You know, you watch any match and you can just tell who the veteran is in the ring and it's usually him. You know, he's usually the one directing traffic and he's just fantastic. But, obviously, it's just one of those things. Um, anyway, anyway, I'm t- taking us all around the houses. I'm sorry, mate. Um, let's, <laughs> let's get back to the um, let's get back to the match in hand. Um, what other comments do you have about this thing? Um, you're going to spoil it for us all, tell us how it ends. Well, the new day one <laughs> ended with a big ending. Nice. Um, yeah, pin Big E keeps winning. Mm. Um, I thought tonight. <laughs> Which is... um, funny, funny this. I actually thought that this was the night where Big E was Big E or um, Kofi was going to turn, and I kept looking out for it because they almost. It's almost like they had the spot in um, with yeah. Kofi falling out of the ring. And I was just waiting for Big E to do that looks out the ring as if to say, what the fuck are you doing thing? And it just didn't come. But all it would have taken was two tweaks and that would have been that would have been a standard WWE tag team heel turn. Um, you know? <laughs> well, a standard Southern wrestling tag team heel turn, the old school heel turn. And, I think if they're um, going to split them, they're, they're going to wait for uh, Xavier Woods to be back. I think you can get a lot more out of the characters with that as well, um, because obviously you can have Xavier Woods come in, um, maybe maybe before he comes in, have Kofi and Xavier Woods kind of, uh, sorry, Kofi and um, Big E kind of start to lose, and it starts to be kind of Kofi's fault or even Big E's fault, and then have Xavier Woods come in and start holding the championship and then kind of holding back whoever the losing party is from competing in those matches with the title um, and them getting frustrated and then you have the heel turn. That, to me, will probably have a bit more character than just one or the other. But then again, having Xavier Woods come back as a brand new man, maybe maybe a follower of the Monday Night Messiah, something like that, that would be great. Just completely switch it up. No, we're completely switched up. But, but he's, he's got to get he's got to get his merch money. What <laughs> about that merch money? What are you about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you put this then if you're going to rate it? Which scale? Normal scale? Melt scale? All of them. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Um, I'd give this a four point three. Normal. I would give it six out of the seven colours of the rainbow. Uh, 
So, moving on to the next <laughs> match. <laughs> With a unicorn horn. Um, right. <laughs> We've got R-Truth. Um, obviously, he was going to be... He, he was against MVP. Um, MVP won very quickly. Um, and R-Truth was confused about who MVP was. Um, and it was a bit racist. No, no, no I'm joking. Um, it was... <laughs> That's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, that is exactly what happened. So... <laughs> Our truth, our truth, um, had this brilliant, um, had this brilliant bit when he came into the ring where he was completely oblivious to the fact that the audience wasn't there. I like um, that as well. That was funny. I really like that. Um, I think that that's <laughs> the way to. Really well. It really does. It's one of those things where um, it just kind of just because the character's in that situation, it's just perfect for that character. He's just completely oblivious to it, and I love that. Um, MVP appears and then Bobby Lashley tells him to hang back because Bobby Lashley's going to sort it out. Yeah, um, he did. <laughs> yeah, um, R-Truth accidentally slaps um, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley kicks the crap out of R-Truth. Um, accidentally. <laughs> yeah, and um, the might work was strong, I think. Why all parties apart um, from Bobby Lashley, but he, yeah, does, he but, does his spear now, so that's that's good. <laughs> I mean, it's Bobby. La- well, yeah, of course. Roman Reigns is gone, so there's allowed to. There's no one else doing a spear on the roster, um, especially not on Money in the Bank because Edge didn't want to work Sunday. Um, <laughs> Why can't Bobby actually speak in WWE? What I don't get it. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if like could it be. And this is entirely speculation. I'm not saying that this is definitely happening. Could it be the amount of um, the amount of extracurricular chemicals that they're keeping him on to, in order to keep him ring fit um, are somehow messing with his brain? What are you trying to get at, mate? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's something floating around in the. I don't, I, all I'm saying is, Doctor Zhivago or whatever his name is, he's got quite a reputation, hasn't he, for prescribing stuff that people don't necessarily need. And Lashley, well, you know how Vince likes a big man, <laughs> a big sweaty man, and Lashley does. does seem it bigger is. and sweatier than he has in the past. So, so yeah, you heard it here first. Definitely, (laughs) definitely fucked on steroids, and that's why I can't speak. Um, What would you, what what would you, um, what would you rate this match as? Oh, the comedy was brilliant. So I'll just give it a three, just for the comedy. But the match itself was like what, one and a half, two. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, um, that's fair. I would give it. I would give it a great choice of in-ring talent and referee um, because it was, yeah, just just very, very good piece of work putting them all together. And, um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I don't know. I, uh, it, but it does concern me a little that none of these people were in more prominent positions. It was like you're on the card for a little bit. Go do something funny. Yeah. 
and then get beat up. Well, I'd, I, I, and that was the thing. I'm almost, I'm almost wondering if it was just a case of we've got nothing. I, I, I'm going to say it. We've got nothing to do with the black guys and the black referee. Let's put them all in a match together. <laughs> it kind of did seem like that, didn't it? <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I just in my head I just got this mental image of like, and it's probably not this at all, but I just got this mental image of like the the interval in a kind of eighteenth century burlesque show where they cut out the exotic people. God, I am you get five minutes. All sudden... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get five minutes. Go out and show the world that you deserve to be there. You know what I mean? It's it just felt like that. It was a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm just reading into I don't know. It too much. I, do, I just don't. It's probably not my place um, to have an opinion on it, but it just seemed a bit strange. But other than that, no, it was all right. It was a good segment. Um, right. (laughs) (laughs) Other than the racism, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Potential racism. Um, Oh, yes, potential racism. Tamina and Bailey. Tamina and Bailey. Tamina and Bailey. Tamina and Bailey. (laughs) (laughs) So Tamina is obviously coming in as a tweener role because she's never going to be a true face. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's nah, it's never going to happen. But she had to be a tweener to be able to face Bailey because obviously two heels for a championship in WWE doesn't work. They don't think it mm. works. It has to be face versus heel, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, exactly. But it did seem like Tamina was controlling um, the match at the beginning. Well, I mean, in the heel spot. Yeah, she was. She was. She was making the most of. She was making the most of her experience, definitely. But then also, you are right. It is. It is kind of. She was the heel that was in control, um, mm. definitely for the early portion of this match. And I don't know whether that was kind of both of these people just reverting to type, um, or just kind of them wanting to kind of play with standard convention. Because as you, as mm. as we've discussed many times, the heel, um, the heel is the person who leads the match um, when it when it usually comes to kind of pacing especially if you're working on the fly but no it was um i i don't know maybe uh, i think there is a bit more leeway though when you're someone as big as tamina especially in comparison to someone as tiny as as bailey yeah but with bailey they made her look vicious when she went left left, that left leg yeah and she had some Um, very good verbal heel work as well it was yeah um how how are you finding that role how are you finding the whole um the whole verbal kind of thing that's happening now I like it within WWE I think it just Um, adds to it I think it does as well Um, I mean one of my biggest problems um, that I've had with this with this whole COVID-19 thing barring the um, 26,000 dead people in this country alone um, is how quiet it is between lines on WWE Um, I mean maybe I'm maybe I'm giving one much more credence than the other um, and it's a bit dark humour so I'll probably cut this out but I might not um, <laughs> but no no, um, like it's been really really quiet on WWE programming um, in the in the place uh, I've liked how they've done the vocal stuff um, and it's felt a bit more coherent and well put together um, or everything's felt like it's had more gravity than say um, AEW's vocal stuff um, but AEW's 
in arena feel with everybody kind of the being the usually being more than just two people yeah with with the rest you know, of the ringside yeah um i don't know if they've been because i've actually not had a chance to catch up with AEW over the last few weeks um which i know i need to because i've seen a gif of sammy guevara getting run over by that that really i i i may i may have came a little um that's all i said there was a a street fight it was kenny omega and matt hardy versus sammy guevara and chris jericho yeah, that does sound amazing. I do need to go out of my way to see that. Um, it's got a 50-50. If people like it, people don't. I thought it was great. Okay, okay. Interesting. Um, it's got a bit of a DDT feel to it. Not normally a fan of that. But, um, oh, I quite like the DDT feel. Kind of, kind of meshed. Like the US mm. style with the DDT grey style and sort of makes it up a little bit. Yeah, it was enjoyable. Okay, okay. Um, hmm. So yeah, what were your thought? Um, what were your thoughts? <laughs> Sorry, I, I know we just fell completely off, didn't we? Um, yeah, I've, I've lost my train of thought, Jay. Uh, I think the um, I think the retinol's kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great, right? <laughs> <laughs> you you pick it up. No, no, no! I'm joking. I'm joking. It was, it's only Coca-Cola one, but yeah, no. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just feel that the WWE is, is, um, I think they've been great with their scripting of the lines and their verbal stuff between people, especially after that first kind of embarrassment that they had with the whole um, cutting coming back from a break um, early, and two of the wrestlers stood around drinking water and talking. Um, I don't know if you saw that when this whole lockdown shenanigans started. No. Oh, uh, okay. Um, WWE cut to a break on the first SmackDown that was um, not in front of an audience. And in one of the territories, I think it was one of the parts of Canada, they cut back early. And the two wrestlers, rather than being in a rest hold, were um, rehearsing yeah. the finish. <laughs> Drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> and drinking water, yeah. Um, I think it was one of the iconics. <laughs> Haven't seen them for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's all a rich tapestry. <laughs> They've disappeared. Uh, oh, Um Yeah, so... All in all, where would you put this match? Um, I mean, obviously there's this Sasha Banks-Bailey storyline going on in the background. Will they pull the trigger? Who's going to betray who? Is anyone going to betray anyone? Or are they just literally... Because, I don't know, this is like the ultimate kind of betrayal edge play. Um, They've been doing this since, since what, Survivor Series? It's been going a while. You know, it is literally... WrestleMania now, you think they do... It's becoming a fetish. <laughs> you know, Why is it becoming a fetish? Actually, well, I mean, they're fetishizing wherever they're going to actually do this. Um, right. I, I reckon that Vince McMahon is actually... Vince McMahon is just sat there like, oh, hold it off for another week. Hold it off. Next oh, WrestleMania. Yeah. Next WrestleMania. Oh, there's money in this. I like yeah. it when they hug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that I reckon what's going on. So... Um, yeah, so where are we with where are we with this match overall? Um, some people say it's sloppy and slow pace. I think it was a perfect pace. It, mm. it, it really showed um, Bailey in a different light, which is yeah, making was... me like her heel persona slightly more. So, 
Yeah, I think I think Bailey has that. She has that possibility to come full circle and become one of those heels that everybody likes. I think if she if she plays her cards right, um, which obviously, as we know, is is that sweet spot when it comes to money, um, as proven time and time again with people like um, Stone Cold Steve Austin, CM Punk, Becky Lynch. Um, being a prominent example in the women's division. Um, Adam Cole, um, a very merchandisable character. The Miz at one point, yeah. Um, He was over as a heel. They turned him face and it's all just gone wrong, hasn't it? They're turning back heel now, but he's not on the same calibre that he was. Yeah. Because he's a tag team with Morrison and he just brings everyone down. One of, yeah, Morrison, (laughs) Morrison, Morrison is literally like, if, if, if you could, I all right then. Let me put it this way: John Morrison is never going to appear on this show, and the reason John Morrison is never going to appear on this show is because if I wanted to put John Morrison into a into audio into a sound effect that summed him up best, it would be the sound of a slowly deflating balloon. <laughs> yeah, he's he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. some, some of his stuff in the news was, was alright, his stuff in TNA was terrible most mm. of it, his stuff in Mexico was better yeah, that's fair sometimes I, you're I, only I as good know. as the rest of that you're facing but it seems to be him bringing everyone else down so it must be him that's the thing I, he's not he's not bad I think he's got the same problem that Dolph Ziggler would have if Dolph Ziggler went on to the Indies. The simple fact is, he's not good enough to carry most companies. Um, I hate to say that, he's not. He's got good personality, but he is essentially the same wrestler that was with Joey Mercury 10, 15 years ago, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. There's no, yeah, he is still Johnny Nitro, really. Johnny Um, Nitro, John Morrison, Johnny Mundo, Mojo. Exactly. Blowjo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And and ultimately, it's just, it's just never going to go. The best one, Johnny Impact. Yeah. Yeah. Impact Um, Wrestling. (laughs) And ultimately, you know. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If your character, if your character is so, th- well, when you have a character that's that thin, that recyclable, um, like, effectively, if if you then name him Johnny, you know that he's just gonna just got a dick inside it. You know, um, <laughs> it's it's not. It, there's nothing there other than the fact that his character's a bit of a dick. And that's this. That's the problem. There's no evolution. There's no. There's no ongoing story. You look at someone like Kenny Omega. Every element of his character is formed by everything that has happened previously. You look at Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy. Um, every single fight they've had, either in WWE or elsewhere, informs their character. With Johnny Nitro, it's almost like he's he's taken this template that WWE gave him originally, and then just kind of been like I cannot deviate from this ever and that's that I think is where he's gone wrong because ultimately I don't care whether he wins or loses 
Even if he's against someone I like, I'm just like, oh, John Morrison won. That's alright. Oh, John Morrison lost. That's a surprise. Or, oh, John Morrison lost. Well, on to the next match. Then it's like, oh, John Morrison wins. Why is he winning? <laughs> why, why are you well, putting yeah, all your faces that... in this guy? What has he done? And the answer Impact is not had, much... had had Killer Cross, and they, yeah. they they tried to make him the bodyguard of John Morrison. Then what they should have done is just let Killer Cross take the title off him and then run with him. Yeah, I can completely understand that. Actually, that's not a bad now position for carrying Cross in NXT. Crazy, crazy world. Anyway, um, Tamina and <laughs> Bailey. Tamina and Bailey, everyone. Tamina and Bailey, two women have a fight, and then we talk about we talk about a completely different wrestler for. So uh, we had a good counter, <laughs> um, where she did a spot kick and she counted it into a knee bar. That was that was pretty good. Yeah. Enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, all in all, I can't argue with this match. It was a character-forming match. It wasn't. It wasn't a match that you're supposed to go away from and think that was the greatest thing I've ever fucking seen. Mm. You know, it was a match to inform you about the two characters in the ring, and it did. I still give it a point five. Sorry. I still give it a three point five out of five. I thought it was a really good match. Not I don't like... think it was a bad match. It was. It, I would give it. I would give it a. Uh, um, I would give it a. Uh, if this was SummerSlam, Sasha Banks would have been in a cat suit um, rating. There you go. That's my rating. That would have been alright. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if this was SummerSlam, it would have been alright. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was okay. It was it was a very mid card match. You want to say it? the piss break match? It was a it was a piss break match. It really was. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know what else to say about it. It's it's kind of well on that note, just one of those things. It's it? time for, it's time for a piss break. <laughs> it certainly is time for a piss break. Um, while Jay does that, and then I go for a cigarette break. Um, oh, do that too. That's do, a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I think we should probably go for a cigar. If you're wondering why our voices are so scratchy, we sound so manly, it's because we smoke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've smoked so much tobacco <laughs> during lockdown. Like, <laughs> it's yeah. like, I am so glad I'm not going shopping because if that coronavirus hits, it is killing me dead. Um, <laughs> I've smoked so much. Um, like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, Please do remember to contact us on JFabe. Um, that is anchor.fm forward slash JFabe. Um, also got um, other methods of contacting us. I am not a robot with two zeros as the robot O's. Um, that's J. I am um, not and a of co- robot. He is not a robot. Of course, I am at not a time duke. Um, that is, is on Twitter. <laughs> exactly and then to top it all off you've got Taz who is Taz yeah um, haven't heard from him for a while maybe we'll hear from him later 
That would be sweet. I have missed Taz. I have missed Taz. Um, anyway, we're going for a break. See you guys shortly. Bye. Hey, Bear. What are you doing? Why, Beard? I checking out Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocketcast, Radio Republic, and Stitcher, which is where you can find the Beard and Bear Power Hour. What wow. You, I know. Isn't it just amazing? It is. We're on so many different platforms. I know. Were you aware we are also available on Twitter and YouTube? Crazy. Isn't it just that's why every single morning I like to go on those sites, unsubscribe, and then subscribe again so I can have that wonderful experience of subscribing over to it. Over and again. Exactly. And you'll want to do that too. Definitely try subscribing. It feels great. And unsubscribing, subscribing again. <laughs> well, no, don't actually unsubscribe. <laughs> well, actually, just subscribe. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, Thanks. We're, we're, we're happy to do that. Thanks. Bit of error. Welcome back. We're talking Money in the Bank 2020. Of course, the next match for us to discuss. Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, Universal Championship, Money in the Bank 2020. Jay, you feel nicely relaxed and chilled after, after that break? Not about breaks. I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> I still got it. It was. Uh, it's it's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. Um, we don't advocate anyone smoking. Um, by the way, we're not sponsored by any cigarette lobbies. So there's that. Uh, what What have you thought to the build of this whole um, Braun Strowman thing with Bray Wyatt? Too How early. Too early. Way too early. Um, I, who said who ever should have been at SummerSlam? Was absolutely correct. I can't remember who it was. Um, mm. But yeah, this should definitely be at SummerSlam. It's one of those. He was part of the White family. He shouldn't be going into Money in the Bank, wanting him to rejoin again. It should be high profile. I don't. I don't know. I I'm, it too soon. I'm wondering. Um... I'm thinking, judging by some of the elements of this match, that this is going to be a longer story. Um, I think that I think that there's a couple of paths they could go down at this stage that could still culminate in that SummerSlam moment, as it were. Um, so the Fiend obviously has not touched Braun Strowman yet. Um, you know, you got that element. Yeah. I know that SummerSlam's still a couple of months away. It's, I mean, we're talking August, and we're only just outside of May now. Um, I have a feeling they're going to pull pull the trigger on the Fiend um, for payback, which I think is probably a bit of a bit of a misstep. What I would what I would propose um, is to have Bray Wyatt maybe use his influence over some of the people he's corrupted. In order to have them go after Braun Strowman, that I think would be an interesting thing going off there. Um, someone like um, I know it sounds way too shitty, but perhaps Seth Rollins um, potentially, um, or Daniel Bryan even, 
um, moving them across, literally to do that. I mean, there's plenty of superstars that have probably got nothing to do coming up um, that they could do that with um, because the fiend's someone special. They could easily, they could. I know they're not going to, but they could easily kind of utilize that kind of interesting character development for those people um, and kind of maybe start working towards explaining what it is that the fiend's doing to all these people in order to drastic change to them um, that would be my thought what about you? well the only drastic change that could really happen to Strowman would be to join Bray Wyatt um, yes um, so instead of using Rowan and now going for because he's been sacked they're now using Strowman with the championship as an ex-member of the White family and the only one that's left in the WWE to utilize him for the storyline and to keep Bray White in the title picture. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, I don't know. I so let's start with the match. What did you think to the match as a whole? Um, I mean, Bray Wyatt's obviously the most interesting man on television at the moment. Still, yeah, you can say that. Um, you can say that the the buzz is kind of lifted a little bit, but he's still mm. definitely. The most interesting character in the WWE TV. I I um, look forward to every single time I see him on screen. Um, I really do, and I thought that that excitement would die down. But the moment I know he's going to be on my telly, like this is the match I wait for. Watch it. Yeah, this is the match I wait for every single pay per view because I never quite know why I'm going, and it's always a very different experience. No matter what it is I see, um, coming from Bray Wyatt, it's always, always worth the watch. Um, and it was no different here. Um, I was interested in seeing Bray Wyatt's character interact with Braun Strowman in the in a, in a match. Um, I really was interested in that, and I thought the interaction was fairly good. Um, I don't think it cheapened the Fiend or lessened the Fiend as a character. If anything, it strengthened the Fiend um, to some degree to have Bray Wyatt, vanilla Bray Wyatt, as it were, um, kind of... Who was who was actually, actually had offence as a Bray Wyatt? What we've seen is Bray Wyatt not really applying much offence, but in this one it was more 50-50 booking. Yeah, there was a 50-50 element to it, um, definitely, but I'm almost under the impression that that 50-50 comes from... I mean, there's hints of the old Bray Wyatt when he's interacting with Braun like Mm -hmm. very very strong hints stronger than when he's been interacting with any other character that he's gone against Um, I mean there were hints when he was dealing with Daniel Bryan as well um, because obviously they had a very very heavy history but no way near as in your face as these were Um, and there's almost I'm I'm trying to work out, and that's probably what the biggest mystery is for me in regards to Bray Wyatt at the moment, whether it is the fact that he's interacting with Braun Strowman that is causing this blurring of the lines between the old Bray Wyatt and the new Bray Wyatt, or whether that blurring of the lines has been naturally progressing um, from John Cena onwards. That's an interesting theory. Mm. So what you're saying is the Bray Wyatt character is now changing when he's facing these people himself. Um, I think that 
I think that the person he's against is influencing that, yes, because obviously a lot of these are dramatically these are callbacks. These are moments where he's falling back into the character to echo what the character is what the character's attitudes were at the time, but now he's coming the same character is coming at it but with an evolved perspective and pulling pieces of the old Bray, the Wyatt family Bray, um, into this feud with him as it were, um, to draw inspiration for how he acts differently. I mean, that for me is the fascination with him going after John Cena and then Braun Strowman, is how is this Bray Wyatt different from the old Bray Wyatt um, in how he approaches these these obstacles? Um, and I think this has been one of the most trying or, or most most evident pieces where he's done this. But is that just is that Bray? I mean, eventually, are we going to get to Bray versus, you know, I don't know, fucking Buddy Murphy or whatever, and that still be, that still be part of this persona, this this Bray Wyatt thing, or is he gonna, is he going to put the blinders up and be this be this Mister Rogers character completely again, um, and the kind of deeper Bray Wyatt is kind of reserved specifically for his old old flames, as it were. <laughs> just seem that way doesn't it yeah um i mean uh, there's a lot more inspiration to deal from what i do love about this is that this isn't bray wyatt is this isn't a refresh of the bray wyatt character as such this is a a natural evolution of the bray wyatt character It, it feels like the same person who has gone through some changes um, rather than when a character in wrestling very often gets repackaged um, and they have the same name, but a lot of elements of their old character are just completely sectioned off and inaccessible to them. Um, this is not the case with Bray Wyatt, and that's one of the most fascinating elements of this entire thing to me. Um, I, I liked seeing Braun Strowman approach that as well, um, obviously. Um, because it, it adds depth to his character, and his character has been very one-dimensional and incredibly inconsistent um, since, shall we say, Nicholas um, Braun. Yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's it. That's pretty that's much character. it. That's pretty much it. Braun smash. Yeah. Um, as for the match itself, any thoughts on the in-ring action? Because I've I've witted on about character for the last ten minutes. Uh, I want you to do that. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to have a good insight um, of where Bray Wyatt is, is thinking or going. Or yeah, I mean, it's he's, on that, he's so. not using he's not using um, he's he's using very old school wrestling logic. He's using very old school stage logic, um, and Bray Wyatt as a character is less. He's less a wrestling creation and more a serialized television creation um, in how he approaches stuff, um, and it's it's very it's very traditional. It's very one man show off Broadway, um, you know. Um, is deep subtle character beats rather than these rather than these in your face bits, and that's probably why he's resonating so well with the audience because it is a level of depth that you. Well, we haven't seen in WWE for a very long time. Um, it's the level of depth that you know you saw in all of the classics during the Attitude Era, for instance. Um, go back to any any Attitude Era pay per view, 
and then watch the Monday Night Raw afterwards where all of the characters who have just faced each other in the pay-per-view are then facing different people and very often you end up with kind of four-way matches or similar where characters have different relationships with everybody in the ring based on what happened the night before and that's not something that happens very often in WWE anymore and Bray Wyatt seems to have taken that element the everyone I've faced and every interaction my characters ever have is still canon is still kayfabe is still something that is influencing that character um and i think that's why he's so successful it's great storytelling in wrestling um and it's not something that i think we've we've had much of in wwe probably not since probably not since edge's last run if i really really think about it um i mean cm punk you can't really count CM Punk because a lot of a lot of his character was about how some of it was kayfabe and some of it wasn't, and which elements were and weren't kayfabe. That was the question. When was he playing a character and when was he not? Was the big kind of question. He was one for the smarks, but which in, became the character? Yeah, that became the character. But, but definitely in the case of Bray, this is this is more than that this is this is his entire career all the way back to husky harris technically informs this his decisions in the ring last night um, so yeah go on does where he's been be explained before he came back um i think so because clearly he's schizophrenic this is just yeah there's I no mean, way around saying that it's pretty obvious I mean the standard kind of the standard kind of thought um is reflected from his Twitter activity during his absence, um, which was a series of doctor reports. I don't know if you're aware of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um yeah. and a lot of people are kind of saying that this is he's either in an insane asylum or he is this is him post insane asylum after being fixed. Um or escaping. I, or escaping or similar. I I am almost wondering how far he's going to go with this because it would be I don't think it would even be beyond him. Um and this is this is what I ultimately think this could be long term and I'm talking very, very long term, that this era of the WWE from Bray's perspective, exists entirely in his head. So, if it exists entirely in his head, wouldn't, wouldn't that mean the matches that he's had haven't actually happened? Well, that's the thing, because nothing else is happening, because we're seeing it entirely through his lens. So... Uh... How else do you explain... How else do you explain the existence of the puppets? Because I was thinking about this the other night, right? The puppets couldn't exist... They couldn't interact in the match in the same way that they have interacted if there was an audience, right? Fair play. Um, right, yeah. And that's just them... That's just his brilliant brilliant ability to adapt and all of those kind of things. But if he is... Like, he has supernatural powers. But he has this weakness and this vulnerability that leads me to believe that pretty much Bray goes into the insane asylum and any interaction that Bray has with the WWE universe at this stage 
is just his fantasies in the insane asylum and none of it's really happening from his perspective. Probably going to get an insane asylum match. <laughs> I I don't know. I I think that's a massive reveal, and I think that this this current character has so many legs that we could still be we could still be talking about the insane asylum in five years time. Um, with it still just well, it was, no, it never get explained, or it could never get um, explained. Just keep speculating. Yeah, I speculating. mean, I think that's part of the charm of his character, though, isn't it? The the interest in in what's going on is is kind of it. Um. We've kind of gone off topic, um, but I'm kind of liking it. So, <laughs> I, I, we could literally do an entire entire podcast that would just be Bray Wyatt because um, he is he is so good at what he's doing at the moment. And I mean, if you want to put a Bray Wyatt piece together, mate, you're more than welcome. Oh, I'm I'm so tempted. You know that what I'm like for little projects like that. But um, I know for well it involved voices and stuff, so it'll probably be a bit of a headache. <laughs> what did you think to the match and the build I mean for me like I said before it was interesting um, mm. to try and bring Strowman back to him within obviously the white family yeah I put my arms up and no one saw that obviously uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're not yet we're not yet video stars mate <laughs> And we haven't, like I said, we haven't seen some Bray Wyatt's Bray Wyatt's compared compared to the Fiend. I think mm. we're just rushing to beat the shit out of people, but yeah, I'm, I'm... the match as a whole, mm. um, I say it was fifty-fifty booking. It was okay. I mean, it was watchable. Um, I think I think it was a match. The spots that... outside were pretty interesting, but I think it was a match that if it was. Anybody else, it wouldn't have worked, um, and we would have been sat there saying, "Well, that was a letdown." But because of the characters involved, and because it was a character-focused match on the WWE show, I'm, I I agree with you. I think it was more than watchable. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it, um, and I had no problem with this. I don't think it needed to be at the end of the card because um, the fiend wasn't involved. I thought it was really well put together. Um, and I really like. You, you could feel that it was leading to something all the way through it. Yeah, I mean, this is this match is clearly a prequel. You know, this is. You're right. It's fifty fifty booking. It is. This is for the payday down the road. I think. Um, I suppose the one thing that I am taking away from this, and what I like most about this whole thing, though, has been that because of the environment that these matches are taking place in. It, they're really able to take this character of Bray Wyatt much further than they could have taken him in the arena. And I'm almost thankful that the format of the show has had to change. Um, not obviously, I mean, I know I make light of it, but not obviously because of what's going on in the world, but more just because it's it's all, this period indoors has almost refreshed this character. And I don't think they'd be able to do stuff like the... Um, or I don't think they'd have the wherewithal to do stuff like, obviously, the interaction with the puppets, that, summa- that, that summary at the end with the, with the black sheep mask um, being the distraction finish. Um, or, yeah. of course... I mean, that was a bit of a shitty finish, of course, but... Um, I don't know, I quite enjoyed that. That's where it was leading, and I quite enjoyed that part. Obviously, um, um, Strowman was playing mind games with Bray Wyatt in the end. 
Yeah. Um, and obviously he was there shouting in the ring. I told him. I told him. Obviously the fiend. Yeah. He'd come back. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, that was that was really good work um, between both of them. I don't think they'd be able to have pulled that off in an arena. And then having Bray Wyatt staring into space at the end, and the end of that segment flash. being the flash of the Fiend's face, I don't think they would have bothered with that um, if they were in front of a live audience. And I think that added yeah, so much to the piece. To I mean, resonate with the audience at home, and that's what, exactly how they're pulling it off, and they're doing it quite well. Yeah, I think they're doing it really well. Um, now. Because <laughs> it wasn't before. <laughs> I, I, uh, Bray Wyatt's been the star of this entire period um, for me. <laughs> like, his, his, his brilliance has shone through um, in regards to there being a lack of audience. So, yeah. Don't know what else to say about that. I just really enjoyed stars it. Stars out of five. Um, oh, yeah, stars out of five. I'm going to give it. In fact, no. You go. You go with your rating. Yeah, I mean, half five. I'll give it a three point five. So it's a strong rating, really. I'm going to give it a rambling the rabbit country style jam. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Big old jar of that spread all over my toast. It was. It was juicy. I was quite happy with it. Um, now you got the reference. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I got the reference, Jamie. Of course, I did. <laughs> oh, um, moving on, um, we then got five-year-old reference <laughs> right at you. <laughs> Love it, mate. Love it. Uh, <laughs> we got Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins um, WWE Championship. Smiley, smiley, happy Drew McIntyre. Um, with his potato farm and Seth Rollins. This is the Drew, the Drew McIntyre that we saw at Thor and TNA constantly putting on solid matches mm. every single night. Mm. I can't um, fault the guy anymore. He's back to how he used to be. Yeah, I'm very, very pleased um, with McIntyre and believe it or not, you're going to be surprised actually. It's like Seth yeah. Rollins is listening to this podcast because the Monday Night Messiah has some fucking depth now. Some real fucking depth. Um, it's like, I, I know that we're not the only place to have said it, in all honesty, um, but again, I think possibly the lack of the live crowd environment has allowed Seth Rollins to develop his character further because there's less pressure. Very to... much so, yeah. He's, even his in-ring acting mm. is improved tenfold yeah i think you can just see how much work it's actually put into and really paying off i think what you're seeing here is that wwe have realized that their idea of broad appeal to a large audience doesn't mean just be as shallow as you possibly can to get the live crowd to pop like, and I think that's that's what the realization is has been over this period. Um, and Seth Rollins is a great example of that. I could almost see this is the Monday Night Messiah that couldn't survive, couldn't have been allowed under WWE creative in a live environment, just because of they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't want a, mi- a misreaction from the audience, as it were, um, or the audience to not get it because obviously they do think absolutely nothing of these people. Um, but here, he's just been mind-blowingly good. 
the whole like going into the match before is like, I don't want to do this I have to do this mm. and it's like yeah. to be in the lead of the locker room it's just like okay right, where's this going and then you see the match and you see them start as equals and then you slowly mm. see Steph Rollins' desperation creep in throughout the match slowly but more slowly and then at the end of it he's so frustrated yeah he gets yeah. pinned I mean, that's yeah. that story told throughout was fucking amazing, and Rollins has um, actually added to his to his ground game as well. He's he's, he's yeah. got a, a few more submissions thrown through there as well. Just... And that's the that's the other element to it as well. Um, to a lot of people, um, Drew McIntyre, um, like to a lot of people who have hung on to WWE post um, WrestleMania. Um, you know the casual audience who may their, their first seeing of the new and improved Drew McIntyre very well have been the Royal Rumble um, and the subsequent matches he's had at pay per views since then. Um, so and WWE, I think, are very aware of that because you see a Drew McIntyre who has been able to rely on strength and quick matches, especially over WrestleMania weekend, the match with the Big Show on the Monday Night Raw after, and then in this instance, he really got to work um, with a wrestler who was showing that ground game that he maybe hasn't necessarily needed to defend himself against, especially not during this, um, this most recent, um, main event chase and run, um, which I've really, really liked the way that that was communicated to me as an audience member, um, was, uh, there was always this moment of realization halfway. Oh yeah, of course, Drew McIntyre can do, ground game i've just seen seen him so much against like big burly people while he's been doing this main event run that i'd completely forgotten that he's still one of the most kind of all-rounded all-round yeah he's he's an all-rounder and it's great for them to have kind of held that back with who he was facing over wrestlemania season in order to be able to allow us to see that development in ring um, at a later time, in this case with Seth Rollins, and I th- I think that that's really good storytelling. And again, I I hate that to say it, but set, so it's not the same moves over again, which keeps the champion fresh. Yeah, um, and it's almost allowing him to show off that adaptability as well. Just it's it's I hate to say it, but WWE's writing has been on fucking point for weeks, um, or at least. You know the last couple of the last couple of pay per views definitely have been on fucking point, especially especially on the um, raw brand. Yeah, they do have. I'm going to say Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> They've got uh, Chris Parks. He was Abyss hmm. on that team. So they've got Paul Heyman. Yeah. Um... I mean, it's definitely the stronger of the two shows at the moment and has been for quite a few months now. And it was really well put together. Um, The match overall then, um, big spots. Talk about the big spots for me. Talk about spots. (laughs) Yeah, talk about the big bits. I wrote stuff around the spots. (laughs) (laughs) All right, talk about the stuff around the spots. Um, I think I've already spoken about uh, Rollins' new ground game, uh, mixed in with his yeah. high flying skills. It's yeah, 
It's like um, it's a loose Death Rollins, but he's using some of the same moves that he's already previously used, but he's mixing it in with something else, which makes him like a, gives him a bit of a new move set. Yeah. The way he's, he's yeah, actually putting it together. I mean, the Future Shock DDT, the Tree of Woe, um, the Tree of Woe German Suplex, um, absolutely, you know, great pieces that you usually wouldn't see him deliver outside of the indie scene anyway. Um, it's great, yeah. Um, right. It's great to see him add, add those, as well as Seth Rollins falling back on on um, some of the ground game that, uh, I mean. Looking back, we probably haven't seen since his first heel run, um, and even then, do you think there's things to do with um, Drew McIntyre's recent success? How do you mean? Well, he beat Brock Lesnar for one. For him, he pretty much runs Raw, sort of in a fashion. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> um, I think that. I think that it's that, but I also I look at Drew McIntyre where he is now, um, and what I see is somebody who, somebody who Vince. I reckon that Vince McMahon looks at him and doesn't even remember that he used to be Drew McIntyre. He was like he had I, all the tools, but had to sharpen his tools outside of WWE to come back. Yeah, and and kind of build his build his build his body as well. Um, I mean, nobody liked a lanky, kind of smiley, geeky guy, um, especially not Vince McMahon. But you know, put him, put put those muscles on him, and he, God damn it, he's big. You know, <laughs> you've got <laughs> look at him. You know, that's what's going on there. That's not a kind of his voice. Mate. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 it fucks my voice to do him. Um, like, there's very, it's one of the reasons why he doesn't, he doesn't appear much on the show. Um, to be honest, um, <laughs> the Glas- yeah, yeah, um, the stomp into the Glasgow kiss was kind of good. Um, although, yeah, um, they did, they did repeat it, and obviously, the first time you just say, oh yeah, but. It's not. It's not an RKO. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was the same jump off the bank. It was. It was good. Kick. Yeah, it wasn't. It was. It was good, but it was. You know, you're never gonna. Yeah, you're never gonna beat that. That's the problem that they have. So, um, but all in all, um, for a title match, I, I'm definitely giving this um, for a WWE shit match. It was fucking solid as fuck. I keep using solid a lot, and I yeah. don't know why, but it was. My, was pretty solid, but my rating for this is sniff the glove. That's a good rating, that. Sniff yeah, yeah. The glove. Yeah, yeah. That's. I'm um, gonna give it ten obvious. Jaffa cakes. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. You're really getting into these ratings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah, so, yeah, no, thoroughly enjoyed the match. Um, really interested in Seth Rollins for the first time in a long time. Um, yeah, quite quite pleased. It was a hard-hitting affair. <laughs> it was a hard-hitting affair. So, um, coming up, of course, we've got the... Money in the Bank Money in the Bank ladder match. Some of it was good. Some of it was so shit you wanted to turn off your TV. Yeah, or, yeah, I mean, there was some cringy humour, and you know my thoughts on, 
you know my thoughts on cringy humor of course don't you you know you like I, I don't think that you think it's great no i don't i don't <laughs> think that wrestling and humor should ever mix apart from more truth oh shit it's the where the fuck is taz ringtone <laughs> fucking awesome <laughs> where the fuck have you guys been oh you wouldn't believe the data we've had taz get off the line what where can't you remember? Time Juke Rich is supposed to call in about six minutes. Well, I'm Sherry. I'm getting so confused with all the comings and goings. Go, in, go outside, talk to fucking Coda, right? And then we'll shut it out. I've got five minutes and 59 seconds to be talking to my two friends here. Just make sure that you're off that line. Sorry about that. Jesus fucking Christ. How you guys doing? Yeah, alright, mate. Not too bad, right. mate. Yeah. When the hell did this call come out? Um, May 12th, 2020. Uh, okay, that's not too bad. Um, you guys staying indoors? Um, don't really have much choice at the moment. Kind yeah, of what's it'll do that. So, we're still waiting on the recordings of what the hell, how the hell you guys all got together. Oh, did we promise you that in the future? Because we're right in the middle of it now. There's loads of shit going on. It's just been a cool... I think we're at the finale now. Um, it was really awesome. Um, it's worth the wait. I can tell you that much. Like, it's really clever. Really? Well, how long is it going to take to edit? Well, this, these, these people called This Snowflurgy in Life, um, they, they, they're putting it together. Oh, okay, This Snowflurgy in Your Life. Yeah, well, we remember that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> was there any reason that they're doing it? Taz, Taz, I need gauze. Kenny Spleen's come out. Oh, for fuck's sake, this guy. Um, what is it, like Corey or Co Corbin or Dustin? Cody Rhodes! Okay, Mike. Yeah, go and, I don't know, um, ooh, 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 there's a Star Trek-style Medibay on the 14th floor, <laughs> just past the billiard hall. Um, yeah, if you take him in there and just give him one of those little buzzes, you know, with a little, little pew, pew, go, yeah? Oh, I need a doctor. Yeah, well, all the doctors are busy at the moment. Haven't you heard there's a pandemic on? Fuck off. Anyway, by the looks of it, I've got about four minutes to get this shit on the road, so let's do the way the fuck is testing. Hit my music, bitches. You don't even want to know, man. 
family told you was like, um, I, I was all locked up, wasn't I? I was all in prison and on yeah. my own lockdown. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it, was, it was all good. It was all good. Um, yeah, I, I, I finally got out um, with, some, with a little help from my friends. Um, my friends and everything it was it was all right um you, you you're gonna hear the whole story at some point um so Tans. yeah look for look forward to that i totally missed all of that Taz. i should I, cut out I for a second i, I think there's something wrong with the phone line oh oh it must be it must be all the time streams all the time streams getting up in my grill that's that's oh, definitely time happening. streams yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely it. That's definitely it. Anyway, um, so we're gonna play a bit of where the fuck is Taz. I haven't played this in a while. Taz, where the fuck Taz, is Taz, 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 where, Taz. Where? Let's play where the fuck is Taz. Let's play where the fuck is Taz. So as as our listeners may not be aware, when we play where the fuck is Taz, Jay gets three guesses. He gets three guesses of a place that I am. I tell him one clue, three then guesses. I tell him a second clue. I've got and none then, of it. <laughs> I don't know. I think there was one where you did win, but it was an alternate dimension or an alternate me or something. Oh, yeah, something like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been listening to the archive at anchor.fm forward slash jfabe, and to be honest, I can't keep track of any of it. Um, it's, 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 so, it's so great to me. So, um, ooh, ooh, that'd be, that'd be a good slogan. It's all geek to me. <laughs> I can do puns. I'm very jealous. Shut up, whoever you are. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, your first clue. <laughs> Who was that, Taz? Where? Um, <laughs> I think his name's Tony, Tommy, Talister, Talish. I think it's. I think he's. I think he's like an earl. All right. So yeah, he's just he's he's not very good at puns. That's like his thing. Um, so <laughs> moving on. Um, so the place that I am. Clue number one. Okay, here we go. Um, the place that I am has hosted many boxing, professional wrestling, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, and Leth Y matches. Can I have that question again, Taz? So, clue number one, the place I am has hosted many boxing, professional wrestling, kickboxing, mixed martial arts, and Lethwai matches. Excellent. Next question. <laughs> Okie dokie. This is one of its hosting city's biggest attractions. It opened on April the 16th, 1962, and has a capacity of approximately 2,000 people. 2,000 people. Oh, did somebody change the desktop? I can't find, I can't find, I'm console here. <laughs> I, can't, I can't find the timer. I can't find the timer. So, uh, Niger, no, no, he's out, he's, he's, he's out talking to Coda. Um, Coda's had quite a day of it. Um, he's, he's not feeling good. Um, so I, d I don't know where that sound is, so I'm just going to do it myself. 
Came a third question, please. Your third cue. This arena is in the grounds of the Tokyo Dome and is famously the place where Kenny Omega and the Bullet Club betrayed one AJ Styles to seize control in 2016. I should know this. Where am I? Where am I, James? Not the Tokyo Dome, it's the other one. <laughs> watch the name of watch the name of the other word, Jay. Uh, 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 I can't remember. Just just make sounds and hope it's the right word. That's what I do when I do. Tell I, me where I, the fuck I, you are, Taz. I'm in Karakun Hall. Should have just made noises. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could have done it with just, if you'd have just it's like it's like it's how you remember it. It's like it's like a shuriken, like but it's karuken. It's like yeah, if, like yeah, if Kenny yeah. As soon as you, you, you said it, as soon as you said it, it was like yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I'm feeling sure. a wrestling fan right now. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. So J H Carrickon Hall, everybody, <laughs> and and where am I, Boosh? Where am I? Uh, this fucking council. I hate this council. This is the worst council ever. This is right, right, right. There we go. There we boo, go. Boo, There we go. I swear, I I absolutely swear that little limp guy, that little limp guy. Hey, hey, you, imp guy, what's you? Yeah, yeah, you. Um, I think he fucked with the um, he fucked with the desktop um, console. Hello. Hello. Yeah, I think. Hey, does. Hey, I was just saying. I think that Curry, that Curry Graves guy, has fucked with the console. I think Jay's gone. Oh, look, there you are. Now you're back. You're back. Oh, oh, you're here now. You decided to come, did you, Jay? I was saying, I think, I think Curry Graves has fucked with, with a desktop on the console. Fucking Curry Graves. I hate Curry Graves. Yeah, I've only just met him, but he seems to be a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah, he's not, not crazy. Oh, for fuck's sake, looks like yeah, time's up. Are you still on that phone? No, you are. All hands required in the main chamber of the retardis. Aren't I supposed to be the one in charge here? I'm the one with all the money. After what you did, I don't fucking think so. Yes, be quiet, you stupid fuck. Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Meltzer, yes, sir. <laughs> Tony Cohn's more like money, Mark. Okay, Rich and Jay, I've got to go. Um, there's, some, there's some shit that's going to happen now. It's time you write me bullshit. See you guys later. Goodbye, all my friends on Earth, um, for now. Um, don't forget to subscribe to anchor.fm forward slash jfape and come find us on Twitter and shit. Bye. Goodbye. Um, yeah, that was, that was Taz. Taz, ladies and gentlemen. So you two seem to get on very well now. Um, yeah, we kind of we kind of buried the hatchet. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, maybe know. it's... 
yeah, maybe it's just kind of absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. I don't know. He's, I reckon he's got a begrudging respect for me. So, what were we talking about before we were interrupted by that phone call? Well, I think we just um, finished talking about Rollins, Andrew McIntyre, and we we're moving on to the actual let's go through the building and up to the roof to get the briefcase oh, yeah. for money in yeah. the I bank. I really hate it when... Yeah, I don't think that wrestling and humour should mix so heavily. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, um, I think my fridge is So, leaking. yeah. You think your fridge is leaking? Yeah. Is it leaking Freon or is it leaking water? Water. Oh, okay. Fuck that. That's fine. Um, so, right then. So, this was two matches happening at once. Um, on the woman's side, of course, there was Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, Carmella, and Asuka. Um, well done. And on the man's side, <laughs> there was <laughs> um, Rey Mysterio, Otis, Daniel Bryan, <laughs> Alistair Black, King Corbin, and AJ Styles. Um, why are you congratulating you me? Got all those women's I, names right. I know, I know. Did you, I was, did you read it off Wiki? Well, um, I might have Forbes open. <laughs> 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 right now, the very fact that I didn't call any of them Tits McGee, I think, is a, is a step up for this podcast. It was kind of like, definitely Wiki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Um, so, yeah, what were your thoughts? My thoughts on this match. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really tell a solid story apart from Oscar sneaking up to the top. Yeah, and that wasn't but, very well told. You know, it was interesting. Say it was in the uh, WWE headquarters. Um, I liked the use of the gym in the men's part. I liked Oscar's um, jump off the balcony at the start of the, of the match. That was very good, actually, to be fair. Um, I especially, I don't know, I, I was kind of 50-50 um, on the whole thing. Certain elements of it I enjoyed. Um, the constant use of soundtrack and music um, I found a little bit jarring in the, towards the end because um, it almost made it feel like a particularly um, flippant episode of Being the Elite. Right. Um, you know what I mean? It yeah. just all felt a little bit like WWE trying too hard um, to create memes and moments um i like the use of i think it's the third or fifth floor um hallway with the wrestling ring i thought that was quite yeah, clever to um, give it a wrestling ring feel but then you had the yeah, chance um, i didn't get the clown um i think the clown was literally just doink the clown that's what i thought it was but it didn't make sense <laughs> yeah no that was is that, that meant was to be the reference like, is it meant to be doink because it looks nothing like doink the clown but he's playing his music. Yeah, he, he looked nothing like Doink the Clown, and I have no idea why him. Um, I mean, that would have been the perfect time to break out a hornswoggle. Um, maybe it was the case that they had it all set up, and then when they came to shoot it, they couldn't get hornswoggle or someone like that. Or, you, over there, dress up know. in a clown mask, and you will be Doink the Clown. Yeah, it really didn't feel... It certainly didn't have any kind of Doink the Clown look to it, and that was pretty irritating. Um, they used the Money in the Bank... Um, they used the Money in the Bank conference room, which um, is actually one of my favourite conference rooms in WWE. 
um, headquarters, you know, from my various visits. Yeah, there. yeah, no, you've um, been there a few times, haven't you? <laughs> Yeah, no, um, well, n not in this lifetime, but yeah. Um, but <laughs> more to the point, though, um, no, I thought that was very clever use. Um, From Dana Brooks. It was a little... <laughs> yeah. Playing the music with a case in the hand, and then Stephanie Mann comes in and was just, like, terrible and moved on. Yeah, my my only real concern with that was that it was quite clear that Stephanie McMahon's segment was filmed in a completely different fucking time zone. Um <laughs> You know, there was no opening of the door or anything like that. It literally just cut to a similar-looking wall and Stephanie mm -hmm. McMahon clearly <laughs> talking into a mobile phone that um, Triple H was holding or something. Can you clean you her up, please? She is drooling. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> all in all, it was okay. Um, the interesting part was where they, um, obviously, they went into that office um, and... Um, I think it was Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles stumbled into an office that was adorned with a gigantic ancient dinosaur um, and his um, bone collection. All oh, right, yeah, Vince's office. Yeah, because Vince, <laughs> Vin Vince is the dinosaur. You see, that he's was the, the dinosaur joke. collector. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, that was <laughs> Vince's like office. I knew it. He is the dinosaur. You're right. Yeah, yeah, um, but no, that was. Um, I thought that was. I thought that was a fairly nice little point, though. Um, I knew it was going to happen. Obviously, it was clearly going to happen. Um, Out of this, I, I need to see AJ versus Daniel Bryan again. <laughs> that needs, they need yeah. a new program together. So yeah, much chemistry. Really, loads of chemistry. They've got that indie feel to them. I liked AJ's callback to the Undertaker as well. Um, didn't mind that at all. I feel that might um, develop into another good. match at some point. Um, well, AJ well, Styles B is last match. I mean, have you watched the documentary? Open, right, with that. The first part? I have watched the documentary. Um, we are, of course, talking about part one of The Undertaker's The Last Ride documentary that aired on WWE Network straight after Money in the Bank. What did you think? Alright. Um, I mean, what I get from what it is you, you get a, a really nice insight. Excuse me. <coughs> A very nice insight to Undertaker's life and what he puts himself through to get back into the ring and everything like that. Mm. But does it take away from the character of the Undertaker? Does that diminish that mystique? Um, I, I honestly don't think it does at this stage. Um, I think I always said that as we got to this stage in the Undertaker's career, we were going to get to that point where. Um, the story of Mark Calloway was going to be more interesting than the story of the Undertaker, and there was gonna and that transition needed to happen if if he was ever going to monetize his legacy beyond his final appearance. Um, I'm glad I'm excited for that transition to be happening. Um, although after this documentary series, I feel that I feel that there'd be best kind of give it a rest for a little while and then maybe do a series of interviews instead um, I really enjoyed the um, session with Stone Cold Steve Austin that he did um, and I felt that that was maybe a slightly better format just because seeing behind the curtain yeah, it kind of is, is, is it feels slightly rawer to see behind the curtain than maybe just to hear the guy talking Um yeah, I didn't think you know, that the special was Stone Cold took away from the character, but I kind of feel that this does to a certain um, degree. I feel it does a because little when bit, it comes yeah. into his last match, it's going to be like, oh, well, actually, he's going to have so much face. What do you got to the opposite of heat? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's gonna, in his last match, 
he's already yeah. like the most over character in WWE in history. But when he actually finds mm. his last match after this documentary, he's just the crowd's going to be a wreck. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean maybe that's maybe that's it. I think I think the biggest concern with the Undertaker is always kind of when do you do take that step. Um, there are so many opportunities where it should have been his last match um, and his legacy would have been spot on. Um, if he was happy with his room, right, match, he would have stopped. Yeah. Um, and I think that's... I don't know. I would like that final match of The Undertaker's to be announced. I would prefer more of a Ric Flair um, situation where it's announced as his last match rather than not because I would really like to see him come down the aisle knowing it was his last time because um, I think that that would make every part of that match special um, but I can understand his concern about finding the right match what would be the right match would it be Kane I don't know because the way be, that this they don't know we have good matches <laughs> yeah they really don't um, I, I really don't know I really don't know maybe bring out Triple H maybe I, I don't know. Maybe the fiend. Ah, ah, yeah. Well, he did be him at WrestleMania. It'd be a bit of a burial. So he would be another person who's done him wrong, and they mm. could bring that round, and then finally Bray Wyatt can take over the Undertaker. They tried it before. <laughs> it they tried failed. it before, but without. Well, the, that was the problem. Was that they tried it before without the without Bray Wyatt actually beating the Undertaker, which is ridiculous, mm. um, you know. And I think that they're now at the stage where Bray Wyatt is ready to take on that take on that mantle. My only problem is is that Bray Wyatt. I I have a feeling that he would be careful with him. Whilst looking Bruce at the same time. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I feel that it'd be too careful with him um, for the Undertaker to be happy with that, if that makes sense. Um, that's an interesting discussion. We could talk about the Undertaker again on its own podcast. Um, back so to the money in the bank. <laughs> maybe we should circle back to this on a later date. Yeah. Take it offline for now, but um, <laughs> which makes me sound like I'm in a in a sit down meeting at work or something. Um, but yeah, no. Um, all in all, I kind of like the middle of this match more than I. Um, and I, what, I liked the. Food the fight? Well, no, not the food fight. Um, I mean, or that was Otis my biggest problem. Pies. Or Otis throwing a pie yeah. in John Laurinaitis' face. Or <sighs> the John the John Laurinaitis thing that was pure Vince McMahon all over. You know, and I have a feeling that some of this was just to pop the boys. Um, obviously. Bruce Pritchard, um, I I I'm a big fan. Did you but <laughs> I was pleased that it was Bruce. Um, I was pleased that it was Brother Love, but I didn't. I was kind of thinking this doesn't need to be here um, for that. Um, the Paul Heyman thing. I was kind of thinking this doesn't need to be here. Um, I I couldn't understand why Paul Heyman will be eating so much. Like sitting down to a banquet for one. Where would there be a buffet at the headquarters? That only Paul Heyman was at. Yeah. You know, and it's just little things like that that kind of... It just took it too much into the gaga kind of area for me to really fully 
fully buy in. I really suppose. give a shit. Um, really. Yeah. Um, at the end of the match, obviously, I was quite interested by some of it. Um, I liked the way that there was there was numerous references to certain things. Um, Streets of rage. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was the. Um, there was the obvious one, which was the um, throwing two people off the roof kind of thing, yes, um, uh, which was... I referenced that to Streets of Rage. Ref- um, I, referenced it to, um, I referenced it to Halloween Havoc 96. Oh, okay. Um, where the giant was thrown off the roof by Hulk Hogan um, at the end of their monster truck match. Um, my only... My only concern then was that I was... Well, my assumption then was that Alistair Black was going to come back um, because the um, the giant came back at the end of that match and beat Hulk Hogan to a bloody pulp um, at the end of the night um, without anything said about the fact that he had fallen off a roof. Um, so, and I was thinking they were going to pull a similar thing with Alistair Black, maybe even cut back to the lift where he's getting in the lift. Um, but I'm I'm kind of glad they didn't do that. Um, Ray Mysterio explained it all on Raw when um, both Alistair Black and Ray were there. Um, six feet down, there was another roof. They landed safely. It's okay. Yeah, they really <laughs> didn't. Um, what? I mean, I knew that's what? exactly what they were doing, but they didn't really establish that in the. I mean, maybe they were hoping that the commentators would. When it when it panned out, that, but they, when it panned out, you could see yeah. the crash mats. You could see, and you could see them lying on the crash mats. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think maybe they just didn't do enough to kind of visually Cover express yeah. that. Yeah, um, but to me that felt like an intentional reference to um, Halloween Havoc. I was also interested in um, Otis's victory. Obviously, um, it slipped out of AJ Styles' hands and into Otis's hands. Um, what especially amused me was AJ Styles' finish to the match. Um, was that when he saw Otis had won it, um, he did a full-on recreation of the No Mercy falling off the top of the ladder when you haven't reached the title animation um, and rolled out of the <laughs> ring, which I thought was really, really cool on AJ. So it was obviously just a visual gag that he felt the need to put in, but it was clear and deliberate. He even did the falling I mean, back off one leg thing. So obviously he's played it. <laughs> It, well, it was. Um, he he's actually said that um, it's sister game, which I believe was um, the Japanese version Pro Wrestling Special Two. I think it was called. Um, or um, I'm gonna have to find out now. Um, but yeah, the um, God damn it! Why is there a pop band called No Mercy? <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, WWF No Mercy, right. Um, what was Asma Case, World Wrestling Federation, annual event, blah de blah, best selling titles, 64. Um, what is the event? Virtual Pro Wrestling 2. There we go. Virtual, Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 was the Japanese version, um, and they did have a lot of matches in that, um, and the same animation and engine, but that was known as his as his favourite game he's quoted as saying that so I reckon that that was intentional yeah yeah, of course uh, we forgot to mention that Oscar won the women's championship <laughs> <laughs> of well, course she, she won um, the uh, I mean, money in the bank but now she's champion 
Yeah, so um, should we move on to the Raw just quickly? Um, do you have any ratings for this one in the bank match? Um, I don't know if you can actually rate it. It's not a... For the first time seeing a match at this point. Oh, another mention. Um, the, the fumble that you saw AJ Styles do was a very TNA-esque finish. Um, yeah, it was a very dusty finish, wasn't it? So you, in an ultimate X at one point, uh, someone was thinking hanging upside down. I think it might have been Kaz. Could be wrong. It could have been amazing red. Looked really different. Mm. But uh, they hung upside down. They took off the title. They fumbled it. And then Peter Williams grabbed it and ran off with it. And he won the title. That was kind of a very TNA finish. So maybe, again, Jeremy Borash. Jeff Jarrett. Could be. Could be. Um, I mean, I thought it was. I thought it was a fairly good finish. Where do you reckon Otis is going from here? Tag team titles. <laughs> Uh, you don't really think much about him do you he's going to go for the tag team titles Mandy's going to be in his ear to make him go for the championship 180 degree turn on Otis turns heel Mandy's heel again Um, I think that's that's the way that he should probably go um, at this stage no more heavy machinery which I'm happy about they put his character into um, leather pants too much. They need to. They need to actually make him a big fat fuck off guy <laughs> who can beat the crap out of people. Because why else do you have a big fat fuck off guy in wrestling ring? To go, you know, talk here, talk here, talk here, talk here. Well, that's that's what Vince McMahon thinks they're for. <laughs> um, as for as for the next night on Monday Night Raw, then um, it was revealed, of course, that Becky Lynch um, is preggers. She's up the duff. She's got herself a little bunny, a little a little potato. Have a mini in the Monday oven. Night Messiah. <laughs> She's gonna have a mini Monday Night Messiah. Um, and is also going yeah, to be a so man. A, um, yes, yes. The, I mean, that's definitely, definitely, one hundred percent guaranteed. The gender is it's going to be a mini man. Um, so you got that. Um, other big news coming out of that is that Asuka is the women's champion. She is. Um, Jack. <laughs> Yeah. Which means Shayna um, Baszler is oh, going to yeah. come in and strangle Take it off her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> did you see that segment? Did you watch that segment on Monday night? Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I've not watched it. Oh, okay. Um, Asuka danced around like a loon. Like an absolute oh, yeah, fucking that. loon. That's uh, a new thing. Yeah, but she, like, it was really absurd. absurd um, and it just made the entire thing. It undercut Becky. Um, which I think was a bit of a shame, but it was a nice announcement. It was very well put together. Um, She's going to be a warrior now, so that's okay. Mm, um, In regards to um, Seth Rollins, of course, Seth Rollins um, was acknowledged as the father of the baby, um, much to the relief of everyone. (laughs) Great mysterious. (laughs) They're like, congratulations on your baby, and then... And then and then got blinded. Yeah. Um, so crazy head was... Seth Rollins appeared in a tag team match. Bit of a brutal, bit of a brutal end to that saga. Um, Rey Mysterio, um, his eye was driven into the side of some steel steps <laughs> in what was possibly one of the most gruesome segments that WWE has ever managed to put to together. <laughs> to be fair. Uh, yeah, it was it was ugly, mate. It was I. It's one of those where it's like, how the fuck are they doing that and keeping it safe? You know, it was really, really well put together, um, and I hope it wasn't too. I hope I hope that it wasn't hard way because if it is, that guy ain't seeing for a while, or ever again. 
exactly. Um, so yeah, that was that, really. Um, anything else we could talk about here? Because um, I was going <laughs> to... <laughs> I mean, what do you reckon to this event as a whole? <clears throat> said it before, it's a solid event. Um, each match, mm. you can watch it. It was quite different to what you get when there's a crowd there. Yeah, that's fair. Each match um, has, has their... I'm going to say unique feel to it, actually. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair as well. Um, each match seemed pretty well put together. Um, I don't think... I'm enjoying this period of WWE, to be honest. Um, and I would hate for them to... I would hate for them to move out of this and go back to back to their normal kind of way of creating and booking pay-per-views um, and just forget it all ever happened. I would hate for them to go that far back into into the rut they were in um, because I've I've been really enjoying the product, um, particularly um, over this lockdown period. Um, but I mean, if I'm being utterly honest, they've been pretty solid since Royal Rumble. Overall, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So i I think that I think that this could be the turn. even with what's going on. This could be WWE's year to kind of come come back as a better force than they once were. Um, we're we going to talk about these released wrestlers. I need to go to the toilet. Okay, then goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> let's let's have a quick break. Welcome back to Fabe. And now we're going to talk about everyone who got sacked. Just to finish well, us all off. For a completely different feel to what I thought he was going to play. <laughs> but, all yeah, right. it's a little bit, a little bit, um, a little bit of beat. You know, just a parade <laughs> of people who don't have any money, money, money. Um, so, yeah, um, Drake Maverick. What do you think is going to happen to Drake Maverick now he's been sacked? Going to get rehired? Yeah, probably is actually. He's not <laughs> had a bad show, has he? He's killing it on that Cruiserweight he tournament. He really is. Like, and everyone's behind so, him. Yeah. Even if he loses every single match, I think he's getting rehired. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Kurt Hawkins. Kurt what? Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. I mean, He's that's, wrestling. yeah, it's obviously going to be one of the two, isn't it? So NJPW does seem to be where they're going. Um, Heath Slater. Apparently, Heath Slater is getting help from Drew McIntyre, who absolutely killed the Indies. So if he gets his kind of like schedule going off, he should be getting loads of dates, and hopefully, yeah. you can climb the ladder in, in the independence. But that's not not not. He's got um, kids, goddammit. He's got kids. Yeah, yeah, he's got kids. Heath um, in English. Um, might as well pop Rusev in there as well. Put them together. Yeah. Um, Throw them yeah. out. Um, yeah. AEW. I think they are definitely, um, definitely going out together and making some money, aren't they? That was money, and they fucking wasted it at WWE. So someone yeah. else might, might as well make it. Well, exactly. EC3. EC3. Um, essential character three is apparently with the revolt they've teamed together so he should be coming to AEW fair play yeah couldn't be bad that might be good um, but I think they're better off using him Eric Young 
impact ROH. Yeah, that sounds fair. Um, Leo Rush. Uh, Leo Rush, ROH, AEW. Kurt Angle. Stay at home. <laughs> Not do much. <laughs> just, just sit on his money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Sarah Logan. Sarah Logan. No. I don't really place her anywhere, that's the problem. Um, Shimmer. (laughs) (laughs) Mike Shioda. Uh, NWA. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right, actually. Primo and Epico. Puerto Rico. So, CWC, is it? CWC or maybe AWA. Someone, someone, council, uh, council, something wrestling. I don't know what it's called. Someone now. south of New Mexico. Yes. Um, Rowan. Hmm. See you with Rowan. Rowan. I'm, I'm assuming he's got a different muso. <laughs> I'm assuming, assuming that. Hmm. I could actually see him go to the Dark Order. Yeah, I can definitely see him uh, going to the Dark Order. AEW. Yeah, probably, probably. Um, Zack Ryder. Apparently he's bringing about the Internet Championship, so I reckon he's going to go around the indie scene. Yeah, that's indie promotions. Um, probably end up in AEW. Yeah, but it'll make it'll make some of that cheddar that McMahon missed out on first, won't he? Um, that ching-ching. Yes, that bling bling catch the cheddar. Um, no way, Jose Levi Valenzuela. Retired. You reckon he's? Yeah, he's Terrible. going to be one of those who ends up as a used car dealer, isn't he? Yeah. I started um, selling meth because I, <laughs> I got sacked. <laughs> Obviously, you've already mentioned Rusev. Um, Diana Perazzo. Oh, she'll just go back onto the Indies. Alexander Jackson. I don't see her going to any promotion. Alex Alexander Jacksick. NXT. Right, so he was just PC, he wasn't on TV. Um fuck knows. And um Beyond. I've missed Go on. Beyond. Yeah, Beyond, yeah. Beyond so... wrestling. Oh yeah, 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 I know those guys. Um yeah, fair play. And I've missed They've out. Got people two... around the ring. It's in like really small venues. I've missed out two people from that line of sackings. Can you name them? Would you like a clue as to where I think they're going? The revival. Oh no, uh, they went sacked. Um, hmm. two people. Yes, two people. Yeah, crack on. <laughs> well, I'll give you a clue first. I think they're probably going to the local bargain booze. I am, of course, talking about Micah Maria Bennett. Oh, yeah. How did I forget that? Uh, That's great. It's great that they're gone. It's great that they've been released. Yeah, they're going to be a mess. Because now he's going to be the miracle again. And the miracle is a great gimmick for Mike Bennett. Is it? And it puts, yeah, miracle, fucking amazing gimmick. Um, 
he had his time in TNA. He hated it there, but he was definitely one of the best things to watch on that TV at the time. Oh, okay. Who knew? Maria has his mouthpiece, but a better mouthpiece. He gets to do her first speech. It all comes together. It's it's a great it's a great tandem when they can do what they want. Oh, okay. Um, do you reckon that's part of the problem that they that they faced um, in WWE? I'd say so. Because so. I kept banging on about how good Mike Bennett was and he was in 205 Live and he was killing it every single week and he was starting to show himself like the miracle kind of character was coming through. Then that just got shut down. Mm. Well, that's, that's WWE all over though, isn't it? Also was me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes, they are. Um, that all right. pretty much kind of concludes everything that we've got to do here. Let's um, Let's throw on some old school old school show and light music which I have I've missed playing this tune um, as you know this is our sh- this is our peacetime theme um, but obviously we're currently under lockdown so everything every episode we do seems to be a special episode at the moment just because all of our schedules are fucked up so we just want to thank everyone who is listening um, and who has continued to listen um, please stick with us um, we're thoroughly enjoying doing this and yeah we both thoroughly enjoy all of the numerous interactions that our fans definitely have with us um, <laughs> Jay it's anything like nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? nothing <laughs> Jay what's um, have you got anything to plug? Like a new book or something? Yes, yeah, so how did you know? <laughs> so in lockdown, I've been working on this novel. Um, yeah, so I'm just gonna throw that out there. Hopefully, in a, in a few months. Um, cool. What's What's the name of it? No idea. <laughs> I can't take this so, any further because I can't think of the name of the book. <laughs> so no idea will be available in bookstores from about July, I believe. Um, it is about one man's one man's struggle with having no idea. Um, for the title of his book and the effect it has on his wife and four kids. Um, seven. Seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you, you took my notes in the revision. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good good call, man. Good call. Um, it's a much better family dynamic having seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, obviously, <laughs> we will be doing more soon. We're going to look at an AEW NXT episode, a bit like the old Showing Light coming coming very shortly. Um, of course, we are waiting for our drop from our colleagues up in space um, to tell us how the fuck they all came about. Um, stay tuned for a little bit more of that um, at the end of this show. Other than that, um, please feel free to subscribe. Um, shout out to Mitch. Mitch, 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 Mitch. <laughs> yeah, we miss you, Mitch. We miss you, Mitch. Um, yeah. Beard and Bear out. Beard and Bear. Beard out. and Bear out. Yeah. Beard and Bear out. Please say your name into the microphone. My name is Tej. Um, do you need me to spell it for you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Good. Can you tell our listeners about your history and your timeline and how it got entangled in this anomaly? Uh, 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 I need an adult. Um, she, she's asking about the timelines again. Jesse, wow. She asked about my history and the timelines and stuff, and who I am, 
I, I, I need a new I need hair. Oh, for fuck's sake! It's really not that crazy. Just, just read what's on the paper. Remember, Dave Meltzer um, sold pockets in your singlet, and if you, it's just in the right one. You sure it's not the left one? I know that's important. No, that's where we agreed we'd keep your yo-yo. Remember? Oh, sweet fucking yo-yo. Okay, okay. Let's let's get this paper out. Okay, 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 sure. My name is Taz, however people call me OG Taz. By Snowflake standards, I would be considered OG Taz Supplemental Timeline Anomaly 316, as my timeline was interrupted by my former self from an alternate timeline, choking me out with a cheap shot that I totally could have got out of. I started as a Sultana, which is an alien being that lived like what humans would call maggots and grew into what humans would call a short asshole. I became a professional wrestler in the 1990s using my race's superior strength and time travel abilities. However, a time drew called Rich screwed me out of becoming heir to the McMahon Wrestling Empire by making Kurt Angle more successful than me. I started a war with Rich with, and ended up trapped in 1988 with a ship which I call Alexa. Then a version of me from the future interrupted the timeline and I fought in the battle of Satellite 316. My future self from timeline 1 is now trapped behind the rift with the majority of the multiverse, my sworn enemy Time Duke Rich and the evil son of Time Duke Rich. Also my new best friend Jesse the Body Ventura who was a Time Duke regenerated into an unknown person. I tried to seek this unknown person but was captured by the AEW Rebellion and stuck in prison. Oh, and at some point I drank a can of magic coke which made me a time juke slash sultana hybrid. All of this played out at anchor.fm forward slash jfabe where you can hear my story interspersed with skits over a wrestling podcast hosted by Rich's human clone who I have a begrudging respect for and my other best friend Jay who is a really cool guy and all. Did you get all that?